following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe to PWOM now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past, the present, and much, much more. Let's start the show. Thunder Buddies, welcome to the first episode of Thunder Request Live, a new mini-series from your friends at Days of Thunder. I'm your party host, as always, Dave Ryan, uh, and I'm joined by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, bit of a different, uh, relaxed atmosphere for this show. Before we get into the concept, uh, how have you been this week? You say relaxed, I'm on edge. I'm, I'm ready for something new here. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to this. We're we're the picture of like polar opposites on our little Zoom windows here because I am I am reclined back in my chair. I've got I've got the feet are up on the new footstool that I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago you, on the you show. Did, yeah. Uh I, I, I've even I've gone old man pro levels. I've got a blanket over me. Oh wow. Uh, I've got some adult beverages beside me. Uh I'm excited, whereas you are like almost leaping forward like you're about to set upon me like a puma uh, okay you're making me sound over eager now yeah yeah um but yeah no look i'm in good form much better than i think the last time we spoke whenever that was time is just a flat circle at this stage it is yeah um yeah no very much looking forward to this something new on the show um i do love our our little uh, sojourns off Thunder Road. Yeah, it's going to be our, our last detour for about a month or so. So we thought we'd kind of um, throw the traditional formula out the window and do something a little bit new. Before I get into um, how we're doing Thunder Request Live, mm-hmm. um, Lee, do you want to tell the listeners who may not have been around um, how this concept came to be? Yeah, so this concept came to be during, uh, it was during the summer, wasn't it? Um, yeah. PWM were collecting for, like, website fees, SoundCloud fees, stuff like that. And we decided to throw out the option to our listeners that if they um, pledged $5 to PWM, we would allow them to select a show for us to review. And I think it was five listeners that um, ponied up some good US dollars and kept the lights on at PWOM and have given us a varied selection of shows to cover over the next 12 months. Because like that, we're not, yeah. not going to do these shows back to back. We're going to spread them out throughout the year or yeah. and then have a bit of fun with them. Um, they won't necessarily be in chronological order. 
No, we we have left it to the wheel of fate mm-hmm. to decide. Um, so every, like you said, it's it's over the course of a year. So every like six to eight weeks, so every three to four episodes, yeah. we'll spin the wheel, make a deal, uh, see what's coming up next. Um, and yeah, I'm very excited by this because again, like you, I've seen the list. It's a real uh, murderer's row of different mm-hmm. things uh, that are on. Uh, some WCW stuff, some non-WCW stuff. Um, I was kind of surprised, Lee, at how gently the listeners went with us. Because I, I was expecting some real dog shit. You were, you were expecting Heroes of Wrestling, weren't you? Yeah, I was expecting, <laughs> yeah, I was expecting what I would do in their position. And that is to, like, oh, you think what you're watching is bad? Let me show you this. And yeah, Heroes of Wrestling or something December like to Dismember, yeah. No, yeah, t- thankfully they, we got nothing like that. The, the Monster Mash Battle Royal from that ECW Halloween mm-hmm. episode uh, on Sci-Fi. Um, but who was our first uh, lucky winner? So the first name to come out on our, our Wheel of Fate was friend of the show, long-time listener, Webcon69. And he very kindly selected for us a show from just six months before we began our journey down Thunder Roads. A WCW Saturday Night Nitro at the Great Western Forum in Los Angeles, California. And this was a big time house show. Well, it's almost more than a house show because it was actually going head to head with a big uh, WWF show on the same night in Anaheim. Yeah. It's wild. And I suppose we'll get into that chat about how... Mm -hmm it feels bigger than a house show. But uh, that's not the only wrinkle in this new formula, Lee, uh, because something we decided relatively <laughs> last minute. Uh, what, an hour ago? <laughs> but, you know, in a way that, like, we were kind of, it was so obvious with the name Thunder Request Live that we should give this a go. Uh, and thankfully, you know, with uh, consultation with Webcon mm-hmm. uh, via the DMs, slid into the DMs just to make sure that like we weren't shortchanging them on this. Um, we decided we were going to try and do our first like pseudo live commentary track. Yeah. So like hopefully it won't uh, be absolutely necessary for you guys to watch the video along with us. But this podcast will be recorded with that in mind. We are going to sync up our uh, our viewing of this show uh, with this podcast mm-hmm. um, and include the it is available freely on YouTube currently uh so we will like put the link to the video inside in the chat and you know in a couple of seconds now i'll do the the count in um for this show and we're just gonna sit back crack a few beverages uh and just have a chat and i think you know like that thunder request live idea this is all you know this is gonna be a raw (laughs) unedited you'll get a real look what it's like if you were kind of um, one of the people misfortunate enough to spend a weekend in an Airbnb in Germany with me and Lee uh, when we're for some reason even though we're at a weekend of wrestling shows we decide to go back home after like a skin full of beers and watch more wrestling shows this will be the real like inside baseball experience for you guys I think and we we think you guys will enjoy this yeah we hope so 
And do you know, it's it's something different for us to do. Now, like, look, not necessarily all of these TRL episodes will be like that. Uh, I, th- I think we're going to give everybody, when their episode comes up, the choice. Would they prefer it as a live commentary track? Would they prefer it as a standard Days of Thunder mm. review? Um, it is entirely up to them, you know, as part of that request nature of this show. Like, if they listen to it, they go, oh, God, that, that Saturday Nitro podcast they did was horseshit. Uh, that's not what I paid for. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We are, we are slaves to the almighty dollar here on the show, Lee, so... Whatever uh, the the Thunder Buddies say is what we will do. Um, Right, without further ado, uh, what we have done is we've cracked open uh, the YouTube video here in front of us and we fast forwarded 25 seconds because as Lee uh, pointed out to me as we were just setting up, uh, the first 29 seconds of this video are just uh, stills of a ticket stub. Um, So... I think before I count in, it is worth noting um, that the the camera footage of this show is suboptimal. <laughs> uh, it's fair to say this is a uh, 90s yeah. hand cam. Um, but as you say, Lee, it's, it's better than maybe you would expect in 1997. But if you're somebody who watches um, hand cam footage from wrestling shows, it's not the worst. No, it's absolutely not the worst I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, if you're somebody that only, you know, was born in 2000 and you're watching this, you're kind of going to be a little taken aback. Yeah. Right. So let's do this. We are flying blind on this one, guys. Uh, you know, we've both watched we've both watched some of the show uh, before we came up with this idea, um, but we haven't watched the whole thing. So what you're hearing is kind of the very much unfiltered chat of your your co-hosts uh going into this thing so let's see where it goes what i'm going to do is like i said it's set up at the 25 second mark so i'm still seeing a ticket stub on my screen mm-hmm. uh i will count down three two one play and we will all hit our play buttons then and rock and roll all right okay so godspeed everyone Let's see how this goes. It can't be any more shambolic than your regularly scheduled Days of Thunder anyway. So, right. Let's do this into the into a, uh, the wild blue yonder, my friends. Three, two, one, play. Okay. Here we go. This should be interesting. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I, I really like about the, you know, the parts of the show I watched already, Lee, is that, like, there's no mess in here. Who, whoever it is is holding this cam- camera is just like, I, you know, I don't care about entrances. Oh, no, no, dear gone, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about anything. It's like, I am going to hit record as close to the bell as possible, and I'm going to stop as soon after the bell as possible. I wonder, did they just bring a two-hour tape? Well, this is the thing I thought about as well, is that for, like, if you're going to do hand cam footage in 1997, like, it's a commitment to, like, lifting weights for two hours, mm-hmm. essentially. Because camcorders were not small. Like, I'm trying to think, then. did they have the kind of little smaller handheld ones? They would have had the kind of, like, the chunky handheld ones. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, he wasn't going in with, like, the over-the-shoulder fucking Action 5 news jobs. Uh but, like, it wasn't light either, yeah. do you know what I mean? 
See, um, see, video cam- cameras were never a thing in my house. I don't think we ever had uh, like video cameras at like birthdays or celebrations or anything like that. You know, it actually would have been around 1997 that I got one. Uh, well, not me personally, but my my family. Mm. Um, we should probably mention what we're watching on screen. Oh yeah, we should. Uh, we should actually mention this match. Already, yeah, first of all, <laughs> absolutely shocking at this. So we're starting off with some uh, trios action, and it's uh, Conan Laparca and Viano Four versus Damien Hoovy and Super Kalo. and like something you can tell straight away. It, like even on the like the poor quality microphone is like this is a really heated opener oh jesus as a cotton candy seller nearly takes a tumble down the steps there <laughs> dressed as a referee um yeah but it's it like they, they like people are super excited yeah obviously like even at this point in like 1997 in la there was a huge hispanic population yeah, yeah. and they are very much into this matchup um, Conan yeah, like, in particular. Wow. Yeah. And this is like, you know, I, I was reading some tweets this week that were talking about Conan. And it's like, you know, consistently for most of his run was under the main, like under the kind of strata of main event talent in WCW. Conan for his, almost his entire run was one of the most over people in that upper mid card. Mm. Like, you know, in spite of, you know, uh, should we say phoning it in a fair bit? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, he wasn't going out and wrestling at, you know, 100 miles an hour every week. That was a lovely monkey flip, by the way. Yeah. Um, super Super Kalo is, like, super underrated. I don't think we talk about Super Kalo enough. I don't think, I don't think we see him enough. No. Like, we definitely haven't in the last few months or anything yeah. like that. Um, this actually, the, the arm drag exchange that they just did there got a really great pop as well. Yeah, it was like, um, what was it? Leparga was going for like a like a tilt a whirl, mm. and uh, he spun it out into an arm drag. It's really good. Um, but yeah, like I think it's also <laughs> smart booking in a way that you don't get from WCW TV to do a lucha trios match, like in LA. To oh, to open off. up like that's the absolute perfect like thing to do like with this crowd. Um, I actually, I never looked it up. I must actually look what was the attendance on this show. I think, did Webcon say to us something like uh, 11,000? Possibly. Or something crazy? I could be, I look, I could be pulling that out of my arse. Yeah, 11,000. Yeah. Great to see, by the way, Damien Sans makeup looking like Jack Evans' granddad there a few seconds ago. <laughs> we should say this was a web-exclusive audio commentary show. Yeah, like the that Boston show mm-hmm. we were trying to track down at the start of the the of Thunder Road. Um and the commentators on this show, Dave, would you like to give a guess of the three people employed by WCW that supplied commentary on the show? Uh I'm trying to think like was it somebody who would end up look, is it somebody who would also end up on commentary in the dying days when no one gave a shit anymore? Yes. Like, is there an Ernest the Cat Miller? No, there is commentary? No. Is there a Stevie Ray? There is not. There is oh, no okay. active wrestlers. Okay. Uh, Scott Hudson? Nope. Oh? Uh, I'll put you out of your misery. Your, your trio of commentators on this show are Iron Mike Tanay. Yeah. Gene Okerlund. Whoa. And Mark Madden. Oh, no. TV's best looking big man. Uh, 
Well, that's what he says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Not not a trio I would be putting down my money to listen to for two hours. No. Interesting uh, to have, like... Oh, hold on there now. Oh. Uh, le- Hoovi- oh, there we go. Yeah, I was just waiting for the Leparka strut. Yeah. Um, again, we should mention that Leparka, very much over with this crowd. Yeah. Oh, him bugging her, and he's doing he's doing the strut while he's uh, carrying <laughs> while he's got Hoovy in the fallaway slam position. Tremendous stuff. Um, we should say this is masked Hoovy, of course, who wouldn't lose his mask until is, February. Of course, just a, like and this was kind um, of before he really like it proper started to click for him in '98. Like yeah. you can you can see, and there's a bit towards the finish of this match where like you can see the real rough around the edges elements hmm. of him. But, uh, like, in with the right people, he's still a lot of fun, well, I think. Well, I'll tell you what, like, putting him in the ring with La Parca, Conan, and Viano 4, I mean, that's yeah. putting him in there with, with three experienced guys that are going to guide him. Yeah. Even even Damien on his side as well. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I, I, I'm mortified that I just did essentially, like, the Michael Cole thing of, oh, 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 because I couldn't remember <laughs> what part that the, the strut was coming in. So, like, I'll have to go into witness protection after this for getting Michael Cole up. My friend, do you have any um, adult beverages tonight? I do. I am rocking as I hold it up to the camera. I'm getting mine now. I've got my Tennessee Honey oh. Jack Daniels. Yes, my friend. Which I am, I am drinking neat. I am bringing back, uh, for the first time in a while on the podcast, the old Joe Gordon-Levitt's, the, uh, ah. the Jemison Ginger and Lime. Uh, and just for the ASMR pop. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I do have a Coke Z in front of me that I will pop at some stage. Uh, Viano 4, one of the rare modern wrestlers with a distinct barrel chest. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, he was a... Big boy, wasn't he for a luchador? He's a, you know, he's not a guy that you, you wouldn't call him fat or anything like that. I think you'd describe him as a burly. Yes. I, I actually, this spot gave me a great great bit of uh, laugh. Where Yeah, so this is uh, Viano holding, is it Cal- Callow, I think. Oh, he's holding Callow and Leparka Le goes to do uh, a plant. Te- teasing the dive and he gets dragged out by Demian. Reminds me very much of a night in the Tivoli Theatre with our good friend Bo's Johnny, where uh, Shah Samuels uh, teased a dive in a similar fashion and everyone ran out of the way except Bo's Johnny, who stood completely stock still and shouted, Shah Samuels isn't doing a fucking tope, lads. <laughs> He's dead right. Dead right. He was dead right, to be fair. <laughs> Shout out Bohemians Jonathan. Um. Who also knows what it's like to experience recording with us. Yeah. Uh, the last time, yeah, God, last time we were in a room watching wrestling with him, we were watching uh, an Eddie Guerrero JBL bloodbath for this very program. We were for the first Pick Your Poison. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I love that, like, so they're doing, you know, the outside dives and, mm. and big moves and stuff like that. Something, when I, I watched this earlier, was just like, I, I don't know whether it's like they... They came out, they heard the reaction of the crowd and went, let's put a little extra spice to things. But, like, it really, they are not wrestling like it's a house show. They're wrestling like this is a proper kind of big nitro. You know, as they do the, the wacky yeah, triple the, the, lucha yeah. submission here. 
I don't know who's getting hurt in this submission or why there's all of a sudden a pinfall. It's cool to see. Yeah, but it's it's a good, it's like that kind of PWG spot. Yeah, yeah, Um, exactly. But yeah, no, like they they are, they're, they're not coming out here and giving you fucking rest holds and stuff they probably would have done on a normal house show like they're coming out there and they're they're working yeah or even on a normal nitro like it's funny you know it's something i mentioned a few minutes ago that like um tv isn't booked as good as this house show is no because like this is now again obviously we didn't see the very start of the show there may have been like a 25 minute bischoff promo for all i know but you know hand cam footage is like boom we're in the ring we're having a hot opener. The crowd are super into it. And you think about the disgusting talent, level of talent on the roster here. Oh, we're getting mm-hmm. our, we get our, our big dives. St- our, yeah, Stereotope is on a hoovy, uh I think it was supposed to be Hurricane Rana, and he didn't quite catch it. Yeah, I think um, I think perhaps uh, they were all supposed to do the Tope Suicida, but it looked like Hoovy was... Uh, Hoovy was still kind of getting up off the ground and went later and he did his yeah like it looked like uh, he was going for the the, the Hurricane Rana and nah <laughs> and just just an absolute wedge of a man Viano 4 so yeah there, there you go. go there's there's uh, Hoovy slipping up for the finish yeah so Hoovy goes to springboard uh, into the finish which is obviously going to be his uh, springboard, springboard Hurricane Rana yeah. and absolutely eats shit when he slips off the ropes and they just kind of classic uh we know this isn't live television is like well let's just pick him up yeah. and do the the hurricane well to be rana. fair that's the experience of Yano for he just goes for the power bomb anyway and yeah kind of so yeah baby faces starts with it with a win which is what you we want get a couple of we get a couple of director jump cuts here from uh <laughs> the whoever is recording this uh, that shows the, the technicos clearing the Rudos out and we are on to our second match already and this is very much not house show attire from the men involved as Psychosis takes on uh, Ultimo Dragon as the camera shakes wildly <laughs> yeah uh, Psychosis out here with Sonny Ono uh, who you don't see for a few seconds on the ringside but uh, the first thing I noticed in, in this match is just like holy shit the gear oh is it's so good isn't it like i yeah. i can't recall this particular psychosis um attire it's like yeah so it's like half metallic gray and half uh, all black. black yeah jet black yeah it, it's really it, that's fucking that's cool especially with the wild hair he had at the time yeah and, and you know contrasting that with the all gold ultimo dragon gear mm-hmm. it's just oh my god it's great um and and what I love about it, like, immediately knowing, you know, I can plan this match oh. out in my head. Oh, as Sikosis that sell off the arm drag. the outside yeah. into the guardrails, yeah, off the arm drag. Um, you can, like, when you know Sikosis is in there with a guy like Ultimo Dragon, you have the match laid out in your head already. Mm-hmm. Because Sikosis, something we've seen over a year and a half of the podcast is, like, what a great kind of no nonsense uh heel he plays against other luchadors you know he's a he's a bigger man than most of them so he likes being the base mm-hmm. he likes being the guy that slows things down and works a hold because he knows it, it makes the the kind of the high spots then towards the end mean more and, he ha- he, and i think and you know what he has that aggressiveness as well you want to see over 
a, a yeah. heel luchador. Um, yeah. He really, like, when he's locking in, like, we just saw there with the wrist lock, he, he, like, you get the, the sense that he's really cranking on it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, God, he, he's probably Rey Mysterio's best ever opponent. Yeah, and I think, like, not that history has forgotten him, but I think that because so many absolutely iconic um, luchadors made appearances throughout the 90s on US television, Mm. I do think he gets overlooked a little bit and should be talked about more. Mm. Because I think, um, obviously, like, Rey Mysterio Jr. is in a class by himself, but I do think, Anytime I've seen Psychosis, he adds something different that none of the rest of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, um, do, do you think the Mexico drone may have harmed his legacy slightly? I mean, it certainly harmed my fandom of professional wrestling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, much as I was like, I, I was so kind of into it in one way, because I was like, I never in my wildest dreams thought Vince would hire Hoovy. And boy was i suppose vince vindicated on yes he was hiring him for so long by the end but i was like i i remember being made up for psychosis and mm-hmm. super crazy getting like a paying gig out of it because they were guys that i really missed when the uh, the like the competition was shut down mm-hmm. um like i i'd say super crazy came out of the wwe run with kind of more credit than he had gone in yeah i think from one night stand uh, through his little run, mm. uh, people gained, you know, the appropriate amount of appreciation for him. And, like, then people went back and revisited his uh, ECW stuff, and you know. Whereas Psychosis, I feel like, kind of never got that, even though he was, he was on the first one-night stand, wasn't he? He faced Ray. Yeah, he took his mask off in his yes, entrance. that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, as we just, we, we missed the uh, Ultimo Rush, the uh, fists yeah. and kick. Um, until the world backbreakers laughs. Yeah, you know, I miss people doing it. Nobody does that anymore. The, the backbreaker yeah. out of the torture rack. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I think you're dead right about psychosis. Um. I just think a lot about how God that light heavyweight slash cruiserweight division during the invasion would have been great with psychosis and super crazy in the mix there i know obviously like i wouldn't i i, I can't like there's a lot of things in this life i'll blame vince mcmahon for but not taking a punt on Hoovy in 2001 is not yeah one no. of them you know he already had a rep i mean coming off his run as the juice and you know yeah. his run in australia <laughs> yeah exactly um but god yeah like when you think of the people that wwe had signed up at various points in the early 2000s and how like they just squandered what could have been an all-time great. Oh, Jesus, what a what so, a kick! So you know, no, with, the, with the the roundhouse kick to the back of the head there on on Ultimate Dragon on the outside. You know, they say it's the ones you don't see that knock you out. That's a knockout. Yeah, I want to see like a young Jeff Hardy versus a peak Super Crazy in two thousand and one. Oh God! Do you know what I mean? Amazing. I mean, you know, or, or much as the crowds were all completely over him like those guys mix it up with x-pac oh god yeah or like I, I, um, that somebody will mention in a couple of matches time as well um Waltman. um but like yeah like you you think about it like imagine we had got the hardys going to ecw as part of like the wwf talent exchange and the like just before their wwf push began yeah like the oh. the things that you could have seen 
Yeah. Or like I was even thinking like do you know like a super crazy versus uh Kidman? Kidman obviously uh shows up like ah oh, yeah there's like there's so much like cuz I can't imagine a lot of these guys would have been expensive like obviously super crazy is over on ECW mm-hmm. so he doesn't have the big Turner contract but um what did Super Crazy do directly after ECW he closed? He went back to Mexico, I believe. Did he? I'm pretty sure he went back to AAA. I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, I guess like there wasn't a whole hell of a lot to do in the US if you weren't getting hoovered up by the Fed. And you know who the one person we still haven't mentioned that would have been like top of the class in that cruiserweight division? Is it the man that's in the ring right now? No. Who, who you know, Ultimo Hottie came in and had his brief run. Yeah. Um, less said the better but no to jury oh yeah I mean like I still I love I love Tajiri yeah. I, I love the Tajiri comedy run and I, like I also think he was great then like as a wrestler mm-hmm. um, but yeah no you're right I, I think it gets forgotten but you know that that Tajiri run where he had Akio and uh Oh, it was Akio and was it Sato? No, it wasn't Sato. It was, um, who are the two guys? Oh, but you know, you know the run I'm talking about where he was like dominating the cruiserweight division. That doesn't get talked about enough. He had like matches every week on TV that yeah. were just phenomenal. Uh, Sakoda. 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 Ryan Sakoda. Yeah. That, uh, he just passed away like a month or oh, two ago. Did not, he? did he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah 48. Yeah, yeah. Just looking at here. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I didn't never. I had I had seen that because I was like I didn't recognize his face when I saw the obit, but I I recognized the name. Yeah, as soon as you said Sakoda, I remembered it, it was Ryan Sakoda. He was yeah. actually American. Um, yeah, California. Yeah. Um, but God, yeah. Like, or like, or like, hey, actually, then thinking like, how cool would you know the Young Dragons coming over to straight away into the mix in mm-hmm. WWF. Like again, it would have been tough for them because obviously there was no cruiserweight tag division, and like a lot of the established WWF tag teams in two thousand and one were mountains of men. Do you know yeah, what I mean? like oh, you had yeah. Bro- Brothers of Destruction, APA, all dudes like that. Like it wasn't necessarily set up for a like a, a juniors tag team. Yeah, but could you imagine like Jimmy Yang and Evan Courageous and? Jamie, not whoever, what, Jamie San, Jamie San, whatever the the combination they would have been bumping around yeah. for Edge and Christian or, oh yeah, the they Dudleys, would have slotted in lovely you know. with the yeah, and like the Dudleys just like hoofing them around, yeah, they would have been a great kind of team to uh, like plug in and out of those yeah. kind of big spot fest matches, like the table matches or the ladder matches or what mm-hmm. have you. Absolutely. Um, we get the first, the first real <laughs> just rest the, hold of the night here. Yeah, from Psychosis. Again, like, it's, like, as a luchador, uh, and with all that comes with that style of wrestling, <laughs> like, it is... <laughs> I, I, I love that little spot. Uh, Dragon slides through his knees, and he's standing waiting for Psychosis to turn around. Psychosis, he doesn't quite do that. Oh, no, he's behind me. But yeah. he drops, like, does that kind of, ah, damn, I know he's behind me kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's full, like, <laughs> panto. I love it. Um, but, yeah, like, when you're wrestling that style, I think it's it's a real selfless thing to be the guy who does the rest holds mm-hmm. and stuff. Because, you know, 
especially American fans are conditioned like this is what lucha is. Yeah. You know, it's all flips, it's all action, and you're going to get no great love from a crowd for slowing it the fuck down as Sikosis gets a drop kick to the arse and spills over the top rope. Ho- the hoofs himself to the outside. Look at ah. that moonsault from Dragon. That is just a thing of beauty. It's always great to see Dragon do the assay moonsault. Yeah. Um, and you know what we haven't mentioned? They actually do have the full on nitro. It's the nitro ring, the nitro pads. Yeah, um, I'd love to see. I I don't know if later on in the show you get to see. Do they have this the full entrance up? Like, there's definitely off to the side. You can see there's a like, uh, there's the en- proper entrance mm. way, but I don't know about the stage. I don't think they had the full setup. Oh Jesus! What a that is like just a phenomenal reversal of a reversal. Yeah. Dragon rolled through into a rana, yeah. and Seacoast has rolled through into a pinfall. It's just. And I, and I gotta say, I'm really appreciating Sonny Ono in this match because I think like you don't see what he does at the edge of the ring on TV as much, but like he's living and dying with mm-hmm. this on the outside. It's very good, very animated. It's a it's a real lost art. Is the manager you know at ringside performing throughout the match? You know, do you know who I actually noticed was doing a real good gig as a manager? Um, so we're recording this the week of Full Gear. Mm-hmm. Um, but last week on Rampage, Max Caster, I actually could see and hear him mm-hmm. living and dying with everything that happened to Bowens in that match with Danielson. Well, you know why? He was terrified to get the call from Johnny Ace. Yeah, I know, yeah. God, well, I tell you, he won't be getting any calls from Johnny Ace with, uh, with that one-liner he had, um, much as I loved it. I actually was trying to tell... It was actually hard to tell whether Danielson was like I'm pretending to be annoyed or I'm actually a little bit annoyed and awkward about it it's it's tough I'd say he, I'd like, say sure, he popped like, for no one Danielson yeah, yeah like I was I, well I was gonna say no one caster he's not making that mistake no. twice surely every single line is being vetted by people now true but you know I'd say Brian wouldn't have had a problem yeah um this is just like again, like you can hear the crowd rallying behind Dragon here. Oh. Could you ima- oh, could you imagine your typical nonsense filled Nitro or Thunder and crowds being this loud for Luchadors? A second yeah. a second lucha match in a row? Yeah, which is it's just strange because you would yeah, you wouldn't normally get that on a, an actual nitro. Um two two consecutive matches involving the cruiserweights. No, but it, like again, based on the crowd reactions, you gotta say a brilliant idea. Do you know what? It's only a small little thing as Dragon locks in the, the Dragon Sleeper and gets the win. Um, I can I tell you, Billy Silverman, incredible acting for Ring the Bell there with the, like the fin- finger guns, <laughs> the cactus shack, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and Sonny in to to throw a kick at Dragon and Dragon's having none. Do of you know, it. it's not Billy Silverman. It's um. Mark Curtis. Mark Curtis. Oh, it is. It is. Um, no, I was going to say off the. Uh, it's hard to tell one curly mop from the other <laughs> on this camera. Um, it was only a small thing, but off the top rope ran at that set up the dragon sleeper. Psychosis yeah. rolled through, and he rolled into sitting up into the exact yeah. perfect spot for dragon to just lock into dragon sleeper. Yeah. And it's only such a small little thing that you might not notice. Yeah, super underrated, mm-hmm. dude. Uh, Dragon gets laid out by by Sonny. Sonny giving it the big one here. 
uh, on psychosis who did more than a little to help him well, we kn- down. We know Sonny has big business, so he has to go over in LA. This is true. Um, but that was a, I, I really those opening two matches back to back really really enjoyed it. Uh, and speaking of wrestlers, I really enjoy. We are just straight into it next with Dean Malenko this, and Eddie Guerrero. This is a proper bonus match for me because this is not listed on Cage Match. Yeah, this is like, and every time you see these two men one on one, you know you're probably in for a treat. I and like l- listen to that reaction of just Eddie like playing the coward mm-hmm. and trying to run around the outside of the ring while Dean is chasing him. I genuinely yeah. think that if these two were to have a match in 2021, obviously with, notwithstanding Eddie's death, that at yeah. their age of what that does make it a bit difficult. Well, you know, even if they're what they're both in their mid fifties, they'd be now, yeah. yeah. I think they'd yeah. still be able to put on a four-star match. Such was their chemistry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They feel like guys that if they came out of retirement for one would be kind of like, do you know when um, Steamboat came out for that match? Yeah, Jericho. The, the, the handicap yeah. match with Jericho. And he, like, the crowd and particularly Jim Ross absolutely lost mm-hmm. it for the arm drag. Oh, yeah. yeah. Are those deep arm drags? <laughs> And look, do you know what I mean? I, I blame Jim. I, I was at home watching that WrestleMania, losing my mind as well. Is that 25, wasn't it? That was 25, wasn't it? No, it was 25 yeah. the Mickey Rourke. Yeah, that was at the end. That, that was at the end of the Mickey yes. Rourke, but it turned yes, out to be yes, the legend. Yes, that's right, yeah. Because he lost his Oscar <laughs> for being involved with wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> like, that poor guy. <laughs> poor guy. I mean, he got a role in Iron Man too. So, who who really won? <laughs> yeah, he didn't get his Oscar, but he got his board. <laughs> he also got to be the deep, meaningful guy in the Expendables as well. Yeah, I. Uh, oh God! Actually, the day we were recording this, I w- uh, you know we usually do our Marvel update on the podcast. I went and saw the Eternals. Ah. Do you know what? I'm actually already enjoying this show much more. Oh, really? That's what I oh, will say okay. about the Eternals. It was, you want to talk about bang average, my friend. I will bear that in mind. Yeah, it was, look, if you have nothing Oof. better to do for two hours, like, I have seen worse films, but it's just like, God. <laughs> You're, um... Review is noted. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, here's a million characters and, you know, some some effects that look decent, but, you know, not enough to carry a movie. Yeah. I'll put it this way. When the generic CGI boss battle is your opening of the movie, you know you're on a Oof. downhill slope. Oof. Like, you're on a highway to nothing. Yep. Uh, Eddie fighting Dean off the top there and co- complimenting himself on being very intelligent. I love this. This is great. Eddie yeah. gone for the tornado DVP and he gets launched seventy five percent of the way yeah. across the ring. <laughs> yeah, absolutely glided across. And the ring. instantly begs off. <laughs> what do you think of the Eddie gear at this point in time, I where he's still got the the vest? Don't like it. Now, to be yeah, fair, he, he is nowhere near as yoked as he would be. What two months Jesus, from now? No. Three months from now? No, there's there, there's no vascularity whatsoever. Um, and obviously somebody mentioned something because by, as we know by Halloween Havoc, Eddie is fucking huge. Yeah, Jack to the gills. Um, but yeah, no, there's, you know, they say it's an upper body business, but yeah, Eddie <laughs> was not. 
as far as I can tell with this grainy footage, not yeah. really on anything at the time. So I understand. Or, you know, not on as much. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? Um, but yeah, no, not a fan of the singlet. Is that Mark Curtis in the ring again? I think it might be. They usually do on the, like the, do you know any yeah. shows I've been to? Like the same referee will stay out for three or four matches and then fuck off. I was actually going to say that to you. Um, it was one of the questions I had coming into this is, like, you were obviously at a WCW show, weren't you? I was. I was at a yeah. WCW show in 1993. So what was that experience like for you? If you remember much of it. I mean, I was seven. I don't remember yeah. a bunch. I remember Vader scared the absolute shit out of me as a seven-year-old, like, terrified me. Yeah. Um, the man was, like, wherever we were sitting, the wrestlers were walking down, like, right near us. Yeah. And I just remember the sheer size of the man and being absolutely terrified that mm. a human could be that big. Um, yeah. Again, I don't remember much from that show. Um, more familiar with WWE house shows. I've been to a couple of them. This is, this is gonna say that, like, so yeah, I wouldn't have been to the '93 uh, WCW one because I would have been four <laughs> at the time. So I was still, I think, two years away from two, two and a half years from getting away. That's <laughs> Eddie Shadow Sorry, boxes in the ring. Eddie just doing some foxy boxing by himself, uh, taunting Dean. Um, so yeah like the first so actually the first house show i ever went to lee uh was the wwa ah okay the uh the uh australian madman backed not wcw anymore but not tna yet cadre of maniacs uh, so that was my first one, and then I've been to a few WWE ones as well. And, and uh, somehow both, you stayed a wrestling fan. Yeah, both being brought to ones as a kid, and also um, then kind of just going a couple of times with mates as an adult, or um, bringing a friend of the show, Alan Murray, to a couple. Um, but... Yeah, like, it's safe to say, like, looking at this so far, like, this is, like, no house show I've been to. Now, we're, like, the only one I can think of in Ireland that would have been, like, this big or this heated was the famous outdoor RDS WWE mm-hmm. show that I, I didn't go no, to. No, I wasn't there I appear yet. to be the... Yeah, I think we might be the only yeah. two of Irish wrestling Twitter in our age bracket that weren't there. And which is funny because I was in a round Irish wrestling at the time. Yeah. And I didn't go. Um, and I was going to other yeah house shows around this time. I don't know how I missed it. Like I, I definitely went to a Raw house show in like two thousand and four. Yeah, that had like seen a Ric Flair, Triple H, Michaels. Like, um, mm. no, that wouldn't have been seen. A scene would have been the next year. Um, but yeah, no, like I was definitely going to house shows at that time. Yeah. Yeah, no. They, they. Oh, do you know why I wasn't there? I was just looking at the date on it because it was during my junior cert. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, June 2005. So I would have been, uh, for those like who aren't Irish, uh, the English equivalent is the GCSEs. It's like halfway through 
secondary school, uh, you sit a bunch of exams, like state exams uh, here in Ireland. Uh, and yeah, very much I would not have been allowed to go to any live wrestling events at night, even though it was like right close to my birthday. <laughs> Um, I would have been 2005 I was 19 yeah. so chances are I was drunk somewhere <laughs> just not at a WWE show yeah oof lovely leg Larry by Dino Machino yeah and again Eddie begs off straight away in behind Benzer yeah <laughs> maybe the most house show thing so far is the Eddie sell of that leg lariat where he just like scooted out of the ring on two knees and then hid behind the ring announcer we should actually we should app Penzer and ask him what uh, his memories are of the show oh yeah I'm gonna do that right now yeah do (laughs) see if we can get some live Penzer insight as we're recording It really, like, it's a class apart when you watch guys like this who not only are masters of their own craft, but also know each other's style uh, so well that they could just, they could work the best house show match you've ever seen in their sleep, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, that's something I was going to hit on to as well, is that typically, you know, at WWE house shows anyway, you're conditioned to like get some fairly bang average matches and you might get one like you usually get one really decent match from two guys who either aren't being pushed on tv and they're like fuck it let's go hell for leather in front of this crowd um or something like that um i remember a big like a couple of months before they did their u.s title program at one of the last uh wwe house shows i went to uh, Seamus and Cesaro had an absolute like they just went out there for 15 minutes and just stiffed the shit out of each oh, other nice. and it was great Yeah, um, I remember actually one of the would have been one of the last ones I went to around 2007 um, it would have been a couple of months I want to say it was the November before so do you remember that really good Jeff Hardy Randy Orton world title match yeah. at the Royal Rumble mm-hmm. so I want to say, yeah, I want to say it was the October, November. They did a tour in Europe. And Jen had actually, my, my now wife, had bought front row tickets for us to go. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to turn that down. And the main event was Orton and um, Jeff Hardy. And they had an absolute blow away of a match. Just phenomenal stuff. Like, for a house show, like. Mm. Um, yeah. But it was real, like, test the waters for what was to come, I think. Yeah, um, but on, also on that show, I remember Jen's amazement at the sheer size of the Great Kali. Oh yeah, I I I think I've seen Kali live. Um, I remember seeing the Undertaker and thinking like that's the most freakish looking human, and the Big Show as mm. well, like just absolute gargantuan monsters. Um, I must actually look up. So let's see if we can find these house shows. I went to one in, in 2010 I think it was maybe 2009 um, that had a great Evan Bourne versus as he was still being called at the time Dos Caras Jr. match before he unmasked oh, his Alberto nice. um, that would have been a rare one and 
I remember that being a really good match, but I, I also remember um, that show being distinct for uh, a young fella about like seven or eight years old earnestly explaining to his father that Randy Orton had killed The Undertaker. <laughs> no way. I was like, no, Dad, you don't understand. The Undertaker is actually dead. Randy Orton killed him. So this was post, what was it, Survivor Series he killed? No, SummerSlam he killed him? It's hard to keep up with Undertaker deaths. Um, Fucker's like a cat. (laughs) So let's see. 2007. How show? Oh, that's 2009. Love and like that. Just just the, the beautiful heel work from Eddie here of just noticing where the referee is while he's in the submission and using the rope for leverage every time the referee looks away and the rare time where the referee is at the position where that is plausible and you know we get it in a lot in WCW where like how does the referee not see that you know it's just not believable at all so was it the Undertaker rest in peace tour you saw the Undertaker 2009 oh look man I don't I think I think that show was actually headlined by um it was in June. In June. And I think it was June. Okay. It feels like it was a summer thing. Um, it was headlined by Cena and Sheamus. Okay. Cena was the champ, but at the end, like, Cena did the thing where, you know, I respect you so much, Sheamus, because you put me through a hell of a match and let Sheamus celebrate with the belt, which felt fairly condescending. At least I'm pretty sure that was the one. I don't think I'm conflating too. Cena Edge... Uh, Dublin Raw no that's the one I just checked there's been a lot of house shows and they're really not good no which is why you know it's one of the reasons I bring it up um, is that between the heat and just the quality of wrestler actually putting in a shift on this mm-hmm. I was like this is this would have blown my mind as a house show. It would have ruined house shows. I'd be forever if I was at this. So this was so the house show we're watching is now nineteen ninety seven. It's what yeah. June, June ninety seven, isn't it? Twenty eighth of the sixth. Uh, yeah, twenty eighth of June. Yeah. So the twentieth of the sixth, nineteen ninety five, WWF Tour de Force Dublin. I shall read out this card to you. Okay. We have a Lundra Blaze defending the WWF women's world title against Berta Fay. tag team match men on a mission defeat the head shrinkers oh men on a mission singles match Shawn Michaels defeats IRS <laughs> Jesus tag team match the smoking guns defeat the blue twins Eli and Jacob Blue aka the Harris Jesus. brothers <laughs> Oh Jesus. my god, sorry, there was just oh, an incredible the, like cartwheel reversal. Tombstone uh, sequence. Tombstone. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely the best thing I've seen on this show, without a doubt. Uh singles match. John Pierre D- La- Dean then Dean then sorry, going for the, the frog splash, like doing the, the setup and mm-hmm. <laughs> the knees up from Eddie and then the maniacal grin when he got him. Great stuff. Uh, yeah, singles match. Jean Pierre Lafayette defeats Duke the Dumpster Josie. <laughs> the Undertaker defeats Kama. 
And your main event, Brehart defeats Hakushi. I'm, I mean, listen, I know it's two years in the difference, but contrasting compared to this card we're watching. Oof, what yeah. a rainbuster. Um, Eddie just fucking laid out Dean with a brainbuster. I was trying to find the uh, the match report from that house show uh, on the Wrestling Observer oh. site because it was written by uh, Twitter's own AMO version one who was beside me at the show. And I remember him uh, making up star ratings and trying to fit puns into it by saying that, uh, what was it he said? Most of the arena was covered in uh, a tarpauling a tarpaulin while most of the in-ring action was appalling Jesus <laughs> uh, good old Amo oh sorry I found a show that I had uh... so it was actually it was June of 2007 right so oh so like right around the time that the Benoit thing happened yeah actually Jesus never even thought of that no wonder, no wonder it kind of wiped from my memory. Um, yeah. yeah, there was a bit going on that month. Uh, shall we say, by the way, uh, that now we have the Steiners versus the incredible team of both, both Bagwell and Masahiro Chono. I will give Eric Bischoff credit. Masa My Hero Chono is a great name. Every time you would see Chono on Nitro, he'd refer to him as Masa My Hero. Um, but yeah, now listen, listen to this lineup. I'll fly through this one. Uh, the 6th of June, 2007. Chuck Palumbo defeats Kenny Dykstra. Chris Masters defeats Eugene. Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch defeat Crime Time. Santino Morella defeats Johnny Nitro. Candice Michelle and Mickey James defeat Melina and Victoria. Carlito defeats Ric Flair. Randy Orton defeats Jeff Hardy and John Cena defends the WWE heavyweight title against the Grey Cali. Tremendous. The woman that went to that show married me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just the fact that she ever spoke to you again after that is <laughs> miracle enough. She paid a lot of money for tickets to that show. The phrase long suffering wife comes to mind. <laughs> oh God, that show is not good. I mean, this was mas- and Masters I, I, before I, I, his I, goods torn, you know? If I recall correctly, the first time uh, I, I met her was before a very subpar OTT show. Did she come to that, or did she just come to the food beforehand? I can't remember. Uh, it was the food beforehand, yes. It was just the food yeah. beforehand. Just like Alan Forel guiding us into a basement Chinese buffet. Yeah, hunting for, for any buffet in town. Super weird vibes off that place. <laughs> I think the food wasn't bad, but it was just like, you're going to go have a buffet in a basement. Seems really weird. On Abbey Street, wasn't it? It was Abbey Street, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, God. That, and that was the first time I actually met up with the Forelds pre-wrestling as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Just a, a really hell of an introduction. Mm. Uh, we kind of let it... Uh, fly by because we were trying to look up uh, house show results but that uh, that Eddie versus Dean match was excellent oh, yeah. stuff very very enjoyable Buff uh, still port- sporting the dicky bow at this stage yeah well I was just going to say it's uh, 
that's that's a real throwback for me. Even even his gear is not very buff like. No. Um, we should say Scott at this stage is mahusive already. Yeah, he's like full fully embraced the black jet black ponytail and goatee. It's it's, it's weird going back now. Now that he's you know big Papa Punk mm-hmm. in our timeline. And seeing him, yeah, like, yoked to the eyeballs, but also... Still a Steiner, brother, hair. yeah. Like, t- like on the potato quality camera, you're just like, Jesus, Rhino got in great shape. <laughs> Don't let Scott Steiner hear you say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, as, the ca- oh. as the camera loses vision for a minute. Well, you know, like he can only look at Buff's handsomeness for so long before they're like, Jesus, the camera's all over the shop during this. Um, as Buff is in the ring, I suppose now would be the appropriate time to bring up that, unfortunately, oh, God, today, yeah. as we record, we just found out that um, Judy Bagwell has sadly passed away. Yeah, God, like, I, I was thinking about this, and, like, obviously, you know, she mainly came in as, you know, a comic relief character, um... And the way they had kind of, uh, not so much portrayed her, but portrayed Buff with her, like, sometimes harmed his character. Mm-hmm. But, like, I loved Judy Bagwell. And, like, it's been such a reference point for me over the years. Um, Like, again, it's one of those things where, like, everybody remembers the, the Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. But, you know, it was kind of the, the litmus test of the true WCW uh diehards of like well were you around long enough to remember judy bagwell tag team champion or as we <laughs> talked about in the nights of nitro judy bagwell that time that she nearly shot on scott steiner in the ring um and like from what i understand you know marcus was a great so a great dedicated son up until the end and you know in in that kind of whatever became of his like career and stuff like that, how jazzed he must have been to like bring his mother into that world and share that bit of start like at the absolute peak of professional wrestling on TV in North America, he got to kind of like his mom got a bit famous. Yeah, which, like, which is incredible. Like, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. Look, we we went over it during the summer. Um, her role in the whole Buff Bagwell Scott Steiner combo, and the mm. feud with Rick was just—it was so good. And I mean, the woman she gave everything. Like, she, you know, she's not a trained actress. She's not a trained performer, stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, she wasn't polished, but God, she was great. And she was game for yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? Like, again, every time she showed up, there was some sort of ridiculous situation she was involved in. I mean, here, leading to the eventual forklift match. I think this is a perfect comparison. Compare her to any time Linda McMahon was on television. Yeah, exactly. Speak and spell Linda, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, we should, should note that uh, Nick Patrick is now out as the designated referee. Again, like, you know, you're going from one mop of hair to Kenny fucking Powers. It's it's tough to note sometimes. Like, it's it's looking at Scott, you're you're thinking to yourself, is like there is an incredibly well built man, and yet he still felt the need to get like at least 
60 to 70 percent more vascular <laughs> over the next couple of years I tell you what, one thing he definitely needed to change, and he did gladly, was the uh, the hairdo. Yeah, the hairdo and like the gear kind of works for Rick, mm-hmm. but like especially when you see where Scott ends up going, looking back now, you're just like Jesus. The gear was not great for him, and you can see that they've you know the Steiners have kind of lost the colorful kind of day glow gear that they were renowned for. Yeah, this is like because you know it's the it's nineteen ninety seven now. Like black is cool, you know. The because the NWO are here, so no one wants the multicolored stuff. That's that's passe. But it's re- that's new generation. But shit. it really doesn't suit the Steiners, does it? The black mm-hmm. pleather. No. Like I know, you know, I can understand the argument of, you know, for TV audiences, you want them kind of coming out in roughly mm-hmm. the same gear um to familiarize them but like even if you want to put them in like the michigan state colors all the time instead of just the, like you said just the, the the black pleather i mean black pleather looks good on nobody absolutely not <laughs> chono chance um that's I was not expecting that from la what was it Chono chance. Oh, sorry. See, I have the volume torn down just so it's not interfering with the um, yeah, with the recording we're doing. And um, but yeah, no, there was there was, there was a sp- I like the way that a, a side shot at my professionalism. I'll have you know that I have this on two channels. So. Yeah, well, see, there you go. You're you're much more professional setup than I have. Yeah. Um, all that means is that I spent like five minutes setting up my call, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to three. Do you know what I mean? It's like marginally more professional. <laughs> Or even worse, like it just means I wasn't bothered putting the the thing on my TV. I just put it on the laptop. I, I should I should mention. I sent a friend of mine a picture of the setup I had going for for the recording tonight. Yeah, and he goes, "All right, I'll let you go record your fine podcast." Hey, <laughs> I was like, ah, oh man, do I have a catchphrase? <laughs> well, I mean, when Alan Farrell is greeting you with it, you know it's over. Yeah. I, what's funny is I guess I've only said it like three or four times in my life when I've been recording those things because <laughs> I don't do them every week. Don't let people see behind the curtain. Just, <laughs> yeah, I've just gotten it over somehow. I mean, worst. Yeah, I actually had forgotten the stick that was kicked up by Alan Forel and a couple of other listeners when I went to change the intro and they were like, don't get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, worst things have gotten over. Yeah, I definitely think when... Uh, covid things calm down a bit more by the way lee i think we definitely need to do one of these commentary tracks like in the same room oh yeah with a rake of beers oh yes absolutely that'll be, uh, that'll be such fun we should get a professional like alan farrell in as well oh <laughs> <laughs> a real professional bring alan and his tin can and string to record it anyone that's recorded with alan will know what that means <laughs> yeah uh we love alan yeah we love Alan, and let me tell you, one of the most over bits we've ever had on the show was Alan ordering pizza <laughs> without muting. <laughs> Why is it every time you mention Alan, it always comes back to food? Well, it's, it's just he's like the um, he's like the anti Brian Alvarez. Like anybody remembers the uh, like the famous story of uh, Brian Alvarez getting banned from being on the law because he ate a Mars bar. 
too loud because I think he was drunk and trying to sober up on the law. So he was eating a Mars bar, but like didn't mute himself. Whereas Alan like gets more over the more he eats on the air. Uh. It's definitely, I'll tell you the one person so far on this show who knows it's a house show. Chono, yeah. <laughs> this is house show Chono. He, he's working on this like an eight man tag on the undercard of the dome, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is like, I am going to be showered and having my steak within 30 minutes, guys. Um, have you actually seen much of the Chono and Bagwell team? Because they were actually a regular team in Japan. No, I have not. This is, again, like as somebody who that is a real blind spot for historically, that's wonderful news to me. Um, it, it's one thing I'd, I'd actually love to see, and there's not enough of it on New Japan World, is the NWO Japan era of yeah. New Japan. Um be- There's got to be like a comp. I'm sure there is DVD for sale somewhere. Uh, if somebody knows, let me know because I would absolutely be interested in looking back on it all. Because yeah, you, ha- you, oh, you have. You want to talk about something we do a we do a commentary on, uh, like a best of NWO Japan comp. Like that's if not a commentary episode, just an episode yeah. of reviewing that DVD. Like you want to talk about things I'd love, like Buff Bagwell, Scott Norton, The Great Muda. You know, Tenza. They, <laughs> they call them the lads. <laughs> a real murderer's row. F- uh, fake sting. All all oh. these guys were regulars, you know. Yeah. Like again, you know, we're we're halfway through this house show, and the crowd, unlike every TV sh- like WCW TV show we've watched in two plus years of the podcast. They're not exhausted. They're not quiet. They are fully on board, even during the quiet spots of this match. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they they haven't been like run around with a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, there's there's and, been no looking at the entrance for the finish of every match. Yeah, and do you know what? It's something that um, I remember reading about what people said about particularly <clears throat> Russo era TNA is that the television and all the angles are garbage. But Mm -hmm. you go to a TNA house show during that time, where obviously Russo isn't going to the house shows. And it's just the wrestlers and the really talented agents putting together matches. And it's amazing. And that is true, because something else I went to, I went to a TNA house show uh, in Dublin at one stage. I got to see... 2008, 2009, wasn't it? think so it was around then yeah because i was in college and i got to see like aj and angle mm-hmm. uh team 3d and beer money were in there as well like it was just it was a really good time really really good time nick nick pat oh nick pa- kenny kenny yeah. powers pat not taking any shit from Buff. patrick gets over at this point standing up to bagwell yeah. I love Buff begging off into the corner. Cowering off like it's Judy Bagwell in front of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what he said. I'll tell your mother. Uh, Buff was a great heel. There's a great I don't hear what anyone telling, says. Um, one of my co-workers. Uh, he was, he, yeah. he knew his role. One of my, my co-workers who's from Lithuania, I was telling her about um, 
there's a great Dara O'Brien stand-up bit about Ireland. You know, one thing about Irish culture, he was talking about um, burglars, and he's like, what, um, what could you shout at a burglar who's coming in through the door of your house to stop them or get rid of them mm. without having to, like, resort to violence or anything like that? And the crowd are shouting out different things, and he said the best answer he ever got, I think he said, was in Cork, where it's just, like, a, a distinctly Irish thing to say to somebody that will put a chill down their spine, and that's, I know your mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah maybe that's what uh, Nick Patrick is after saying to Buff there is like I'll, I'll tell your ma I don't know what it was I was watching something recently they were actually talking about that about you know somebody breaking into the house and what you do yeah and somebody said you know they, they'd kind of calmly say look I'm coming out of the room let's have a chat about this and I'll tell you I have nothing of value in the house <laughs> It was it was the flagship. Oh yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, it was it was uh, Rich Craig that said it. He'd, you know, he'd come out and say, "Listen, there's there's a hundred dollars in my wallet. You can take that. I'll I'll, I'll help you carry my TV out. But other than that, there's nothing here." <laughs> oh, tremendous. Oh, Chano's going to the top rope. Holy shit. I have breaking podcast news. Okay. I have gotten a, I have received a tweet from Buff Bagwell's podcast. You have not. I have. So I had put in my kind of sad to hear of Judy Bagwell's passing. When she squared up with Scott Steiner on Nitro, you would absolutely believe the woman would shoot on him. R.I.P. Queen. And the Rebuilding Buff podcast has let me know that that wasn't planned. She was legit pissed at Scott. (laughs) (laughs) No. I love it. That's what I'm going to reply to them now. Tremendous. What a woman. I'm just upset you didn't do it from the, from the Thunder. Uh... I know, well, I didn't tag them in it or anything. They just obviously were looking for, you know, Judy Bagwell tweets. We should say, rebuilding buff that follows us on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> as well, yeah. Um... This has definitely been, this tag match has been... And not just because of Chono, it's been the most distinctly house showy. House show, so yeah, yeah, it has, yeah. There's a there's a lot of smoke and mirrors uh, going on in here, but you no, know, that's all right. Like we again, we've had you know, pretty much an hour straight mm-hmm. of all action. Oof. Oh my god, some buff. Just... I don't know. Was Nick Patrick in the way there? Was a buff slip? He was. He was trying to. He was trying to shoo Nick Patrick out of the way, and in doing so, he slipped. Um. And a real house show finish of uh, Rick just grabbing him for an overhead belly to belly. Yeah. Just whatever. Oh yeah, that's Steiner line. <laughs> oh, here we go. Chris Jericho is currently riling up the crowd here. So this was Chris Jericho just post heel turn, I think. He was still that kind of white meat baby face, but he was now leaning into the booze. Yeah. Because he was like, again, we pick up uh, 
six months after this, a little less, and he's yeah. fully established at that point. Yeah. But this was right around the time he start really leaning into getting booed. Um, but he's so still he's basically pl- running down the uh, the chances of uh, Rey Mysterio to his left and and six to his right. Six, it's worth noting as well, the current uh, cruiserweight champion. Sorry, my internet just decided to cut you off there for whatever reason. Oh, yeah, no, I was just talking about how uh, Six is the current cruiserweight champion and uh, Chris Jericho is is clearly attempting to uh, annoy his way into a match (laughs) (laughs) with whoever the champion is going to be. Um... What the, have you seen much of the six run in WCW? Uh, no, because like again, we're only getting into the era where I started watching mm-hmm. WCW shortly on the show, um, and you know we haven't covered the because he literally goes out right before we he, start he's released the show, right around were, the time we start the show, yeah. Yeah, because they're wearing the the six t shirts because he's out injured mm-hmm. when we started. Um, all right, so I was just wondering, had you had you seen like were you aware of the one two three kid and then six around the time yeah, like, around the time you became I, a fan? I would I I would have only known him as would I have known him as one two three? When did he make the jump to WCW? Oh, probably you're talking maybe a month after the NWO f- officially formed. A month or two. Okay, so I probably would have, like, known the tail end of, like, the very, very end of him in the Fed. Mm. And then it was a while before. Like, I didn't see any of his WCW run, and then I knew him as X-Pac. Okay, because he, he was a heel right at the end of his WWF run, wasn't he? Wasn't he, like, the yeah. fucking the crybaby stuff and all that, wasn't it? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, the stuff that would then, like, essentially be, you know, repurposed for any like uh smaller guy they didn't know what to do with they like they would do it with Christian with Jericho mm-hmm. actually years later as well um but you know what and it's it's something that gets talked about a lot when people talk about Waltman but like he almost is underappreciated despite how much people appreciate him I still don't think yeah. he gets the credit he deserves for just how good he was is it because he's one of those guys where, like, he just made everything look easy? You know what I mean? That it didn't look like he, like, it, it always looked like wrestling came naturally to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, he's such a prodigy. And maybe because he was so good so young, people maybe expected him to end up somewhere higher. Even though, like, looking at the time and the size of men that were on top, that was probably unrealistic. Yeah, like, the top guys were never the top guys at the time were never gonna bump or sell for somebody like like um, Waltman but like then you'd get the occasional guy like a razor like um, I'm trying to think who else put him over in WWF um, like like I mean guys like Owen Harper Hart, they were kind of they were bigger than him 
But yeah, the guys who weren't like um, that weren't giants themselves, but were were kind of that bigger did, guys. But also guys who didn't have that old school paranoia mm-hmm. about looking weak by giving something to a smaller guy. Um, because you know that's characteristic of the eighties and the nineties. The guys on top didn't want to look weak against you know guys who were perceived as small a regular sized dude like. Yeah, there was no such belief in the idea that, like, uh, a rising tide raises all ships. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, I'm getting on top, I'm staying on top, and I don't want to look weak. And were you were you at the show that um, X-Pac, Six-Pac, Waltman was on in Dublin? The OTT show? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, where he had no idea who the giant clown he, was. Who his tag team partner was, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he, had, he, had to, he had to ask the crowd who his tag team partner was. Um, um, that was was him, Martina, and the clown, wasn't it? Yeah, Tron. Tron, yeah. The former WWE Jesus superstar. Christ. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, and like, he's... Look, by the standards of time, yes, he's a smaller dude. But he's just a regular-sized guy. Like, it's not like he's... Yeah. He's not Rey Mysterio-sized. As you can see, like compared to them here. Yeah, he's what about like wouldn't he be about five nine? Yeah, maybe? like he's five eight, five nine easily. Like, yeah. like Adam Cole is not that much taller than Sean Waltman. Yeah, he's one of the guys who really suffered from the land of the giants. Mm-hmm. Like, if he came along now, like this guy would be like an AEW champion, or do you know, like he would have been an NXT <sighs> champion and a, a things like that. Gorgeous Michinoku driver. Yeah. I actually can't see what it says on his singlet. I don't know whether it just says six across the stomach or if it mm. says something else. Yeah, it really is like, you know, VHS quality. Yeah. What can you do? I love that that snapping leg drop he used to do all the time. Yeah. Um, again, a big thing with, with Waltman for me is the gear. What did you think of the gear at the time? I mean... Like, it's hard to, you know, look back at what I think of this current gear when I wasn't around at the time. But I always thought, like, as X-Pac, I always liked his Mm -hmm. gear. I always liked his his mix of the, like, the green and the black. um, And when he teamed with Kane and had the red and the black Mm -hmm. as well. I wasn't so wild about the X-Factor era purple and black. Everything about X Factor gets shit on except for yeah. the team. But it's weird because like it's roughly, you know, you know, not the design, but like the the shape of the clothing is like roughly the same gear we were kind of slagging off Eddie for wearing yeah. in the last match. But it works more on his body. His, type. his frame suits a lot more. I think Park has that kind of. He's that kind of gangly frame. Yeah. Whereas Eddie had that kind of. You know what you'd see he become. He had that kind of upper body frame, and he didn't need to single it. Whereas with Waltman, yeah. it fits. Yeah. Um, Ray with the very much the house show gear. Very much, yeah. Nothing spectacular at all. Um, and this again is another one where you know Waltman is capable of, like. Ma- like you know he's not Rey Mysterio but he's capable of like 
definitely working a Mysterio paced mm-hmm. match, but he's doing that thing of slowing it right down so that when the comeback comes, it's more appreciated yeah. than if the two of them had been just legging it around the whole time. Do you know who I'd love to see Waltman, even in 2021, get in the ring with? Would be a Dante Martin. Yeah. I bet, because, like, again, when we saw him on that OTT show, like, you know, he's visibly older, you know, he's got a little bit of a pop belly. Um, but, you know, dude was still fine mm-hmm. for, like, uh, you know, a, co- a couple of good spots in a, in a, a six-man tag, and he's not gone like crazy out of shape and his style while you know requiring flexibility i wouldn't say requires an incredible amount of athleticism he could still probably do the majority of his stuff now like don't forget it was only a couple of months ago that we saw hoovy on national tv in 2021 yeah Yeah, now at his age he might tell you like he'd pull a hamstring trying to do one of his roundhouse Mm -hmm. kicks or something like that but sure he could still do an x-factor still do a bronco buster um, he was always a guy who got wrestling enough mm-hmm. that makes you think that, you know, if he had wrestled for longer, like on TV for longer than he did, would have adapted his style. What's your opinions on the X-Pac heat? It's weird because like now as an adult with a greater appreciation for the small things in wrestling, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like I would like I I I would be like ooh an X Pac match as opposed to being like oh X Pac but at the time I was incredibly annoyed by his presence at all times mm-hmm. <laughs> you know uh, in two thousand and one in particular again around the time of the X Factor and the invasion and stuff like that like again much like a lot of people in the building at Invasion he was one of the only WWF guys that I was like oh fuck this guy <laughs> and do you know what I again part of that was I love Billy Kidman. And do you know what I think he suffered from around that time? Is that he came back in March 99. And in spite of a couple of injuries that he missed a little bit of time, it felt like he never went away. So he had the DX run, the Kane run, the DX run, the yeah. DX run with Road Dog as the tag team, the feuds, the Tory stuff, the fucking... They... they did the fucking McHel- Helmsley McBan regime stuff, all that, and then he went into X Factor. And it just felt like he never went away. It was only two, two and a half years, but it was just relentless. Yeah. How much like other characters around him would always feel much more refreshed mm-hmm. by having time where they were away? Like, again, some of the biggest pops of the Attitude Era were for the multiple Kane returns. Yeah. You know, like that return on Raw with Paul Bearer oh. is one of the loudest pops you'll ever hear in your life. And I absolutely stand by the the point that that was his best gear, the black and red. Yeah, the reverse. Yeah. Um, I also like, again, maybe oh. this was what uh, didn't help my X-Pac heat as a young man is that I was well into Kane. I mean, every everybody was. Yeah, I mean, like from probably from his debut right through like the invasion because I was well into the Brothers of Destruction <laughs> oh you know, Ray, what's not? Ray with the West Coast pop oh. and yeah. he get he, and he, gets he actually win. gets the tree but Waltman's foot falls onto the rope a yeah. grey house show spot I think yeah and the referee calls the it off says no he was in the ropes 
It's amazing that a move that Ray had been doing for years, like the West Coast Pop, became his finish in WWE, like, what, five years after this? Yeah. Like, when you consider it wasn't all that spectacular by five years later. Yeah. And again, like, a dude who has absolutely no issue going, right, I have to do a new finish and getting over so quickly, mm-hmm. like... From the first time he hit it and pinned somebody, I just bought yeah, it. Yeah, that was finish. it, yeah. Like, I, I'm looking at this show and going, you know, the, the tag match was what mm-hmm. it was, but an hour and 13 minutes of action in here, Lee. Uh, and I'm just <sighs> going, holy shit, like I've got my value for Oh, yeah, minutes. absolutely. Like, like, you consider... Just for... Oh, sorry, I, I should have done this a few minutes ago because we're more than halfway through, but just... Uh, to let everybody at home know uh, we are at the 1 hour 13 minute and 58 second mark <laughs> just in case you lost track yeah uh, I always like I always appreciate it when live commentaries do that like every 45 minutes to an hour but I completely forgot because it's our first one again crowd super into this and you could do, do you know, you could run back this match spot for spot on your average Thunder, and it's not getting half as over mm-hmm. as this. This crowd are really into, like, you, you know, you do this on a Thunder we're watching now in 99, you're going to get people chatting for the NWO. Because they've already been conditioned by 99 not to be into any of this, because they're never going to be pushed past a certain mm-hmm. level. Whereas, you know, in the house show environment and with a crowd like this they're just in it for the action in the moment yeah um oh i, I just was about to speak waltman locks in the buzz killer were you were you aware that the crossface chicken wing was his finish at this time i did not know did this. you know okay yeah he, he, but you know I, I love a good crossface chicken wing so he called it the buzz killer because you know he was on drugs Uh, look as advertised what can i say <laughs> i'm just looking by the way um so the we've immediately gone into the the six versus chris jericho follow-up match um and let's just say for those of you playing at home who haven't looked ahead at what the rest of the card is um please lower your expectations because the quality of uh wrestling on this show is about to dip i hate this match this match really annoyed this, me. This, so this was like as far as I got was yeah. the end of the, the Mysterio match when I was watching it back when we had our brainwave. And Jericho Yeah, wins. Jericho wins in what, less than a minute. Um, yeah. And, and tries to raise the belt in celebration. Loses and it. ends up throwing it in the air. I mean, proper Jericho style kind of goofiness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was not a fan of this match at all. It was way too short, even for a house show and yeah. a title change. And, and look, I get this. Do you know what's funny? Maybe you'll disagree with me, Lee, as Jericho continues to celebrate to the crowd here. Um, I would say that this exact thing would work better on a pay-per-view. Yes, it would have. Do you know where you've had X, like, say X-Pac, six, uh, really put in the effort, just squeak past Mysterio and then chicken shit heel Jericho comes in and picks up the spares against other heel yeah 
So the NWO are in the ring now. They... I saw the segment earlier on. There's a, there's a good bit yeah. of crowd here. I have no recollection of what yeah. they were saying other than they're looking for Sting. Yeah, so they... That's a, again, this is during the period where like Sting is still stalking them. Um, but it's also worth knowing that, yes, because of the horrendous VHS quality and the microphone, it is nearly impossible to tell what they are saying, apart from the odd, like you said, you hear Sting, and you can see people looking up towards the rafters and pointing. We should say Chono is out in his best Sopranos attire of very tight t-shirt yep. and gold chain tremendous tremendous Um, I mean I'm trying to I can't even remember I, uh, but it's interesting I like I, I wonder and if anybody knows if they were at this house show let us know um, is this guy showing us the promo segment just because like the NWO are so hot at the time or is this like the only in-ring promo segment so far on the show see i i'd be interested to know if your man had been just cutting them out to that point or it literally was match 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 i'm guessing they teased a sting appearance yeah and now whether sting appeared or not i like again i haven't watched to the very end so i'm not sure but my guess is like you're talking about five months away from starcade they were teasing Sting confronting the NWO. Yeah, I mean, like they would be teasing it night in, night out, like not 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 house shows, but on mm-hmm. TV. Do you know what I mean? Like that whole thing, part of like the building of suspense towards that eventual confrontation is like he could show up at any time and lay them out, and it was brilliant. Do you know what I mean? It's one of the best long-term stories the company ever did and it's just like to to say they didn't stick the landing i'm struggling i'm still trying to see what it says on uh waltman's singlet i just can't just say tug i'm not sure um there's never been a human being like randy said oh god i was gonna say before we get to his match but yeah the, the man is just an absolute superstar yeah like i I cannot make out a word of what he's saying here, but, like, just his movement and everything around the ring is like, how is this other jackass leader the NWO? <laughs> Genoa, the NWO, they oh. were over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at that sea yeah. of black and white shirts. Do you know what I mean? And, like, much as we were saying, everybody's really into the Cruiserweight stuff on this show, but this is, like, different. Like, the heat and the noise, it's, like, a different level. Like, it's 2021 now. It's, what, 25 years later. And people are still mimicking the NWO shirt for for wrestling merch. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's phenomenal. Like, it's just... I believe uh, somebody was telling me this earlier on in the week that the top selling merchandise item on WWF.com or WWE.com, not WWF.com, um, WWE.com is Austin 316 t shirt. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, you want to talk about a guy who never needs to work again? Mm hmm. Like, does he still do his podcast? Uh, I don't know, because he started doing them as the Broken Skull sessions mm. on the network. 
Let me have a look here. It's something I haven't heard anyone talk about in a long time. Uh, I mean, I I really sucks. checked out when this gardener became his fucking rotating co-host. So it looks like um Yeah, it looks like his stream is just uh, reruns. Yeah. At least the last 50 episodes are oh, all Jesus. Uh, Steve Austin show classics. Wow. Like, I remember being super yeah. into the show at first. I thought it was great. It was. It was really good. There was an, an infamous episode of him, like, in his hotel room, cutting a promo on a fly. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. And then I remember the excitement for him having Heyman on. Yeah. So now we come to um, the recognizable names, but uh, adjust your expectations for quality of wrestling portion of the show because it's Ric Flair who, like, you know, still can go, but he's against Roddy Piper, who, as a lot of people have begun to realize over the years, arguably could never go at any stage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Piper was never a great wrestler. He has yeah. a handful of matches. Wait, what do you make of the, like, as we start this match here, Um, what do you make of the kind of, like, I don't want to call it a revisionist take, but the more kind of, like, recent people looking back on Piper and, go, and thinking he wasn't that great a promo either? Ah, get out of it. No, like, Piper was like, fucking, he was brilliant. Yeah, like, I think his, um, like, I get that maybe the content of his promos wasn't always, like, I stellar. Was just about to say, he may not have always made sense. It may yeah. not have been great linguistically, like, language, whatever. Yeah. But you want to talk about getting people rolled up, getting people into yeah. stories. I mean, when the man was hyper and fucking losing it you couldn't help but be invested i mean yeah, jake I think, roberts like, talked some talked some absolute bollocks but he still won the best promos yeah. of all time yeah like i think it's a thing where you know maybe it isn't the greatest prose of all time when you like if you would read his promo as text his promos as text but mm -hmm. like inarguably one of the most charismatic people to ever be in the business yeah i mean i mean if you want if you want to go down that route Terry Funk talked about fucking horses and asses and... Satchel asses. Yeah, like... But still, he's Terry Funk. And it worked. Yeah. And that was his thing. Piper had his thing. And it worked. And he was Roddy Piper. I mean, Randy Savage. Yeah. Like, obviously, we're not great fans of him anymore, but you were as a kid. Warrior is a really strong example of that. Look, Warrior, again... It worked for me as a kid. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah. it, it, but no, like one thing I'll never take away from him is like an incredibly magnetic oh. personality. Like at, at in his pomp, even though like again personally, I never saw mm -hmm. it because I came to him as an adult. It was very much of its time. Yeah, and that's okay to be of your time because if it works, mm -hmm. it works. Not everything is gonna last forever. Mm -hmm. Um, as 
Ric Flair lays lays in the punches in the corner. Um, you're not going to see many big bumps in this one, I will say. No, this is going to be. These are two men who know it's a house show. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I wouldn't necessarily advocate for Piper taking big bumps. No, the man was in rough shape. Like, not, not, don't get yeah. me wrong, he's not out of shape, but I don't think he was. In rough shape, and yet he would also wrestle on that WrestleMania 25 handicap match. Um, Led to the ring by Ric Flair, wasn't he? Like their pseudo manager. Sure, he was, yeah. Um, Like, even though he could have, like, out wrestled all but Steamboat in that match, still. So, this match is coming off the back of a really weird Ric Flair Roddy Piper feud on TV in the, like, spring and summer of 97 yeah where they had initially combined together where Piper had enlisted the horseman to help him take down the NWO mm-hmm. but then they somehow ended up in a weird feud against each other yeah because they kind of played into this Piper and Flair have known each other since the mid 70s and They've always had this kind of love-hate relationship where they back and forth, kind of best friends hating each other, or best friend. So that's why this match is happening. But it was yeah. a very strange feud, if you go back and watch it. I, I wouldn't necessarily be in a rush to. Um, the one thing I noticed, by the way, uh, uh, left over from the NWO promo in the last segment, the ring is still drenched with the remains of the beer cups that were being thrown in. So I bet this canvas stunk the yes. high fucking heavens when they were, by the time they were tearing down the set. I cannot blame the guys for not going in and taking any big bumps on that ring canvas. Yeah. I'd say if like if it was a HD quality camera, you would probably see some visible splashes when they do hit the mat. Oh, Jesus. Um, are we getting a flare bump? We got a flare bump. Always good for yeah. one. Especially on a house show. Have you ever seen Ric Flair on a house show? Uh, I don't know if I have. I definitely have. I don't know whether it was him and Triple H against Shawn Michaels and somebody, or if it was Shawn Michaels and and Ric Flair against Triple H and somebody. I can't remember what the specifics was, but it was definitely them three and somebody. And it was just the two guys, like, absolutely mirroring Flair. I never got to see uh, Shawn Michaels during his active career Ah, wrestle in person, who was, like, my favourite guy like for pretty much the whole run of when he was an active wrestler and I was a fan, um, which is very sad because like always either the years I went to house shows were years that SmackDown were doing it and he was on Raw the whole time um, or the odd time when Raw would come to Dublin, I couldn't go for whatever reason. There's Flair's arse. Yeah. Although I did, in a slight happy ending to the story, I did get to see him, Mick Foley, and Steve Austin beat down the League of Nations at the WrestleMania I went Flair to. Flair has still not pulled up his trunks, we should say. No, with full moon. As Piper grabs... Like watching a Charlie Sterling match. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, a I niche miss, reference. miss Charlie. I don't miss much, but I, I miss, I miss Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean the, and the Irish Warrior. 
Oh, Loaded's Fist with the Nux. Definitely a house show. <laughs> mm-hmm. What were we talking about? Oh, you saw... Um, yeah, you you were there when Austin Foley and Michaels beat up the New Day. A great, you know what? Yeah. That's a great, a great WrestleMania. And it was a League of Nations. Our League of Nations. Sorry. Yeah, because it was the night of one of my favorite all time promos when, uh, like, it was. You remember the uh, the New Day came out of their box of cereal mm-hmm. in the uh, in the Super Saiyan costumes, uh, or just the Saiyan armor. And they lost to the League of Nations inexplicably, but I was super into the League of Nations, like ironically. <laughs> I really, well, I was unironically into Rusev, well, I mean, but ironically into the League of Nations. They call themselves the lads. I mean, what's not to love? Yeah. Yeah. And then that's the, one of my favorite promos of all time where they win the match and given it the big one, Wade Barrett gets on the microphone and says, That's right, the lads have won. <laughs> I nearly fell off the balcony at AT&T Stadium. I laughed so hard. Do you know, if they had went fully in on Seamus, Barra, Rusev, just being and the, other the lads. Yeah. Oh, look, that moment at the Rumble where Rusev's like, oh, come here, boss, and hugs Vince. <laughs> <laughs> or where they had their little meeting on Raw in the Hall of Flags. There were, was yeah. like a room full of flags and they were around a tiny little craft services table. <laughs> even even the bit when they kick uh, Barrett out of the League of Nations was like just a great little yeah. segment. I remember um, I didn't watch did I watch the Raw where they became the League of Nations? I, I just remember when I found out about the League of Nations that being their name I couldn't get over it. I lost my shit laughing. Oh shit, Piper won. Uh, Piper won, by the way. Yeah, I, I looked away. Just, How did he win? <laughs> I did. I wasn't even. I was talking about the League of Nations, man. Um. <laughs> Look, it wasn't that to write home about. We'll put it that way, guys. Again, the most notable thing was that Flair wrestled for a good 30 seconds with his hole out. <laughs> Flair appears to be deceased. And now we're moving straight on to... You know, a match that I'd be pretty yeah, excited to see as a yeah. fan coming to this. Uh, DDP and Randy Savage in the damp ring. <laughs> the damp ring. <laughs> I'm not touching that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> oh, he gets posted right to start us Fuck off. <laughs> Fucking Jackie Treehorn over here. <laughs> Again, Gene Oakland on the outside of the ring there, absolutely appalled. DDP with his tape ribs from 1996. Yeah. Man, that's some injury. Still got it to this day. <laughs> Remember when he did that one AEW match and he still had them taped? <laughs> Absolute legend. Oh. I actually must ask our good friend Jamesy, whose favourite thing in wrestling is limb selling, what he thinks about DDP's uh, prolonged DDP rib injury. selling his ribs for 25 years. <laughs> That's, a, like that's right one way to get the yoga over, Bob, isn't it? It's right up there with Bob Orton on the cast. like As the person in front of our camera just stands for the majority of this match, apparently. Yeah. That was, that was a big jump cut there, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think we've lost a lot of this match. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, because I think what we probably would have seen was the guy saying, hey, I'm trying to illegally record this sit-down fucker. <laughs> 
Yeah, because DDP's rib tape is now dangling. So I'm guessing yeah. Savage has been working him over for a while. As we see Sa- Savage's bald spot, which he did not like people seeing. Yeah, look, I'll tell you, it is kind of impressive that, you know, for a hand-recorded house show that we've lost so mm-hmm. little of the actual in-ring action, that's the first notable cut. Um, we, we kind of touched on it earlier on, but of all the people on this show, Randy Savage just screams megastar, doesn't he? Yeah. And it's, and like... God, did, did these two have many singles matches during our run, I wonder? Our run? Like 1998? Yeah. No, yeah, they wouldn't so, have. They? Yeah. they had their feud in 97, which is why they're on this house show. Um, yeah. They had the, the three pay-per-view matches in particular, which are hmm. notoriously very good. Um, yeah. Again, didn't get credit in the, in the time because, you know, they both like to lay out matches in advance, which people kind of shit on at the say, time. Maybe- Maybe two of the most, like, famous exponents of the laying out a match spot for spot. Mm-hmm. Like, two men cut from the same cloth in that way. And it wasn't until Sasha and Bailey where people kind of went, yeah, so what? It doesn't matter that they laid it out. It was still fucking grey. Yeah, man, I don't care. Like, I know it used to be a real... Um, oh, pros, like, pros call it in the ring thing. Yeah, like, and, you know, I get that there's kind of, like, there is definitely an impressive thing for being able to call stuff in the ring. But to me, like, all I want is the match to be good. And however, like, there are many different ways to skin a cat. Mm -hmm. And whatever way you get to that, I don't care once I am entertained bell to bell. Ooh, another one. I don't think that's going to come as a great galloping shock to anybody because we've talked about how much we appreciate both Savage and DDP at various Mm -hmm. points on the show I think Savage is gonna no he's not I thought he was setting up for the the elbow with the scoop slam so as of uh, our point in the run the two of them will never have uh, a singles match again. Um, and they will only ever be in the same match again twice. Oof. And one of them is... Spring Stampede 99. Uh, so, well, yeah, where uh, Savage is Diamond Cutter! Hey! And then in 2000, there's a number one contender battle royal they're both Oh, wow. In. Yeah, no, Savage is the ref at... at- Spring Stampede 99. Yeah. Um, DDP wins clean. Diamond cutter. Yeah. Well, I say clean. Nick Patrick had pushed Savage before that. but mm. Big reaction from the crowd as well for that. He's not going to get a set. He gets a second one. Jeez, DDP. Second diamond cutter. Fair play to Randy Savage. Yeah. Do you know what? He probably doesn't get enough credit for how over DDP would get. Yeah. And do you know what? Like, one of the few guys in amongst that NWO crowd that is a bit more selfless about how much he mm-hmm. gives to guys in the ring. Like, he's still Randy Savage, so he still should be beating most people, but, like, he knew the value of losing to heat up the right guy. And I love that on a house show, DVP still losing the crowd. Yeah. 
and uh, and I will say as well, didn't have the rep um, that like Hogan and the Outsiders mm-hmm. had for you know that's not going to work for me, brother. Um, right. So, so, so now we have our main, main event. event time, big time world tag team titles. Dave, were you aware that WCW had world tag team titles? <laughs> I wasn't. This is all news to me. Obviously. <laughs> The rarely seen, lesser spotted WCW World Tag Team titles. Yeah, I couldn't spot. I couldn't pick them out of a police lineup. To be honest with Which you, which is amazing because the last time we saw them, the Giant was involved with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking couldn't like he had to leave the company to get away from those tag belts. So, Luger and Hall starting us out with a a slap. Like, again, I haven't seen this match, but if you were to ask me, do I think these guys are aware it's a house show or not, I would lean on the side of, yeah, they're not going to be doing the the big shit here. I'm going to say you're talking however long this match goes. Un- and it could be it could literally be over in 45 seconds. I'm going to say under five flatback bumps. Okay, right. Do you want to count them up we'll as count we're them up going? as we're going. Okay. Now, are you saying total in the match or for a particular total. wrestler? Okay. Oh, we nearly had our first one there. <laughs> <laughs> there was nearly a hip a hip toss. <laughs> Jesus, Kevin Ash's hair is looking... Per- but instead we go back to the punchy kicky. Kevin Ash's hair is looking particularly dark on this show. It is, isn't it? One! <laughs> one, yeah. Off the flying forearm from Lex. And that was and that was a reluctant one. And we're back to a standoff. And I will say, you know, of the four men, the two that are currently in the ring, Luger and Hall, are the two most likely to be doing flatbacks of the four. <laughs> I think you're... This, this is a cagey <laughs> affair, this one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you know, in football, you have XG for expected yeah. goals. This is the XB, the expected bump statistic. Okay, we're, we're using I'd that one going it, forward. It, yeah, the XB drops below one for sure when Nash and Giant come in. <laughs> Again, we are like a couple of minutes into this and we've had one bump. This is incredible. This this is art. This is what this is. This is what happens when you have the two of us like try to do commentary on a on a wrestling show is you end up with us coming up with new stupid bits. <laughs> Now I understand why the actual Thunder commentary team always get distracted and talk about other shit. <laughs> Bobby Heena talking about uh, Karen Tanay and Lois Shivani all the time. Oh, Lord. Look at, look at that, the fucking, like, the wit of Nash. Absolute fucking wedge. <laughs> Already, we got the knees in the corner. That's... Nash move of doom number one. Yeah. Is the elbow is the elbow coming? Nash yeah. is already thinking about the, the bottle of wine in the bar afterwards tonight. Um Again, like the 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 hair is so black and it's so like obscuring oh the hair yeah. flick. Choke uh, in the corner, hair so flick. Obs- is so obscuring his face that for like the first few seconds, if you told me that was like a do you know like uh, a fake Nash because <laughs> he wanted to take the night off. You told me that was Glenn Jacobs in Freeze. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> Big Daddy Yankum. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Don't say those three words together a lot. <laughs> what you do in your own time is your it's your business, sir. Uh I'll tell you, if this is a normal episode of the show, this t- this episode would absolutely be titled Big Daddy Yankum. <laughs> oh, we got a second flatback, one from Hall. And one from Lash. He's not bumping and feeding like the WWF, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so we're up to, what, three now? That's three. We got a fourth. Oh my god. Oh my god. There's a lot of spitting in this match. That's about the third yeah. time I've seen somebody spit at the other... Just the spit and the beer and the mash. Fucking disgusting. In a in a post COVID world, you're just looking like going, Ugh. Yeah, man, like the last year and a half is like people are fucking gross. Oh, Lexi takes a oh, flat back. That's five. That's five. So and we get a crotch chop because at, of course. We are We are at par. Lex is going to get the heat now. I can't believe we're about to exceed the XB. <laughs> Unparalleled. I don't know. No, that's, that's not a flap. flap. That, that was that, a shoulder. That, that, that that's was a, a shoulder. You got to be fully standing. I won't say we got a quick tag, but we got a, a tag. Because nothing in this match is quick. I must say, the crowd do not appear to be all that bothered by uh, what's going on in the ring here. And I will tell you, Giant is having a lovely easy night at the office. I completely forgot that there was another person in this match. As we see bump number six for Lex. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I was talking a lot of shit about the XB going down as soon as Nash got in, but Nash has been, um, according to our stats man here, he's just crunching out the numbers. Uh, well, he's giving out the punishment. He's not taking any of it. Yeah, well, well, Nash has been responsible for um, two-thirds, uh, if not uh, three-quarters of the bumps in this match, uh, which is very incre- incredible. Um, of course, these are official Opta stats. <laughs> We, we will open open up to uh, any statisticians out there that want to contribute to XB going forward. Yeah, expect your um, expected bumps in a match. Do we get another one? We got another one. That's seven. Yeah. Lex is really earning that money tonight. <laughs> Nash Nash doing the smoking gesture. Easy night. Tell you, like Lex doing a decent job as babyface in peril here. Like the crowd are kind of like getting agitated. They want to see Great. that big ham hock come in. I love that. I love that Scott Hall spinning fist. Yeah, and uh, Nash celebrating like it was definitely going to be the finish. <laughs> Tremendous. Oh, we got a bump off the giant hippo. And like. Scott Hall did sell it like he had shoot died. I would actually laugh if that was the finish. 
That, I mean, I tell you what, that would be one of my favorite finishes of a WCW match of all time. Is he goes to talk shit at the giant on the apron, he just got headbutt to death. <laughs> oh, giant coming in. Oh no, referee holds him back. Because of course the five for five referee can hold back. Yeah, then outsiders uh, cutting off Lex in their corner. I'll tell you one. I tell you, this has also gone about twice as long as I would have expected. One good thing about this main event. No what? buffer. No. Abs- oh, could you imagine if they got buffer for a house show? Like, and again, maybe they cut him out. <laughs> you wouldn't put it past them to have had him. Imagine the buffer introductions on a house show. Oh, Lord God above. Oh. <laughs> uh. As we get a rest hold, and yeah, I can see some clapping in the background. Yeah. Again, like if this was a Thunder main, like because this is a very plausible Thunder main event, like this would be over twice or three times already. Mm-hmm. With, and I'm not saying there won't be a run in, but I mean it would like, be very know, WCW maybe, to end with a run in, wouldn't it? On a house show, yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> like <laughs> you just hear today scream we're out of time and they just shut the lights off in the building <laughs> uh, that would actually yeah that would kind of own I, I you know if I was at that house I'd be like fair play just that's peak WCW like that actually another uh, WCW trope that wasn't hit on this whole house show that must be just a TV trope is no one got attacked while still in their ring jacket on this show well, I mean, Sting wasn't on the show. That is true. And there was no Nitro party for this Saturday Night Nitro. Ah, uh, well, this is the Nitro party, my friend. Do you not see all the beer in the ring? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what they should have done? They should have had Marshall backstage with a load of jobbers having a Nitro party. Yeah. I mean, look... Let's all level with each other. There was definitely an unofficial Nitro party happening <laughs> backstage. <laughs> of which I'm merciful that we don't know any of the details. Well, I mean, there hasn't been a dark side of the ring about Giants it. Giants so. coming in now, House Fire. Gee, there's a lot more bumps in this match no. than I was expecting. Yeah, man, your your XB has been blown out of the fucking water here. Oh my god. Bump over Nash the top took rope. A big boot and bumped over the that, top rope to the That outside. should almost count for two. Yeah. Although he did land on his feet, yeah. I will say. <laughs> I mean all cats do, so Yeah. All big spoons do. Oh, there's Hogan, so there was a run in. Yeah. And right now, in front of the referee. Up in the rack, no. Hogan is getting into the ring very slowly. They got a DQ. It's Lex in the back. DQ finish on a house show DQ main event. on a house show. You're fucking joking me, like. They can't even put over WCW on a house show. Yeah. Oh, here he is. Sting has dropped from the ceiling. And the crowd have fucking lost it. This is, I suppose, in 1997, the one acceptable way to do a DQ finish is if you're going to do a Sting confrontation. He's here. He's got the bat. He's looking real sad. Hogan has now seen him. (laughs) He's got the bat. He's looking real sad. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> somewhere Darby Allen is going, that's me dad. <laughs> yeah. My dad batter yours. Uh. <laughs> he still haven't recovered from I still haven't recovered he's got the <laughs> this picture like he's just pointing the bat I'm going oh <laughs> that's a t-shirt or whatever fucking so <laughs> <laughs> just like the silhouette of crow sting he's got a bat he's looking real sad <laughs> Days of Thunder. Okay. <laughs> uh, even Hogan took a bump on the show. I am blown away. Yeah. It makes you even more fuming that, like, just the bastards never bothered on no, TV. No, they didn't. <laughs> like you said, that main event would have went like two and a half minutes. <laughs> Saving all the. Do you think it was? Do you think it was like by the time it got to like nineteen ninety eight Thunder? They're like, no, brother, we took too many bumps on that house, that one house yeah. show in June, that one house show loop we did over the space of one month. <laughs> yeah, I stunk of beer so bad, I'm never doing it again. So six has run in to try and break up the uh, the death lock that is now being applied to Hogan. Well, he's he's got the bat. He's looking real angry. He's deathly afraid to get into the ring. Apparently, oh. St- Sting has reclaimed his sad bat. And the NWO back off. Except, is it Nash is getting Nash has got ring a big sexy bat. To... Yeah. Oh, oh my god, it's a bat duel. Or is it a cane or something? It's some sort of weapon. And he It's some kind it. of international object. Yeah. By the way, this whole time, Sting has still got an enormous harness on him. <laughs> and he took his jacket off so he could see But I mean, he it. didn't want to get beaten up for having his jacket on. <laughs> well, that's it. It's funny how he knew in 1997, take the jacket off and you'll win the fight. But he forgot that. <laughs> Probably because he ate so many beatings. I mean, the giant is standing behind him. I'm not so sure he doesn't turn on him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He turns on this house show, and wherever they are to follow a night, he turns back again. Oh, they did have the full setup. Oh, yeah, they got wow. a proper stage setup. That's class. Like, honestly, that why did they like... record this? They're literally the only part of the, the TV equipment they did. Well, there's cam- there's cam- the there is cameras ringside. There is cameras, yeah. So, why did they never release this? This is sitting in a vault somewhere in Stamford with commentary on it. Yeah, but it's today. Fucking Madden and Ogreland. Yeah, oh, I know. But do you know what? Like, what's a shame? Like now that they're on Peacock and they don't give a it, fuck, it'll never come uh, out about the content. Like, yeah, on like on the old network or even before that. Like, do you know when they'd be grasping at straws? So, like, what we put as the extras? Everyone's on a certain getting their DVD? finish in here. Yeah. So giant hits choke slam. Scorpion death drop on Hall and Nash is up in the rack. And again, I think we said it the last time that it's Nash always is impressive. The rack. Always it is very impressive to get a man that of that heft up in the. I rack. mean, all the show is missing now is Judy Bagwell out celebrating with the faces. Yeah. So I will say, even though it was a DQ finish, like that's a like as far as those kind of brawl finishes go, this was a pretty good one if you were at. Yeah, the house no, show, that, that that's understandable. You, you got your sting interference you got him 
like lay in the NWO low and you got your baby faces standing tall here. And so every, everything good. else had a relatively clean finish on the show. Yeah. It still is just very funny to do a DQ finish on a house show. Well, I mean, how else would Sting know to come in if there wasn't a DQ? <laughs> I think you'll find a little thing called heat. As Nash gets decked again with the bat. Yeah. And Lex's music plays. I'm just upset that Nash never counted this house show on his chart in TNA. <laughs> just makes me sad thinking about it makes me almost as sad as sting is with his bat uh when you see how over sting was at this stage still not happy about it though no guy is miserable just looking there looking at the crowd going oh i mean was he happy because he gave up the colors is that why he just really misses his day glow green maybe Maybe it was that he had all his old gear, but he put it into the wash with something really, really black and all his clothes got dyed. And he's just real bummed out about it. Because <laughs> he spent all his WCW checks on real estate, so he has no money to get. The fight is over, clothes. so he's put the jacket back on. Yeah. He's now safe to put the jacket back on. Well, I mean, the giant is behind him, so is he safe, really? I think there's like some sort of pheromone that as soon as he puts on the jacket, Giant is like, I should kick the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new operating theory is that Sting's jacket has like a pheromone that incites violence. Uh, I love you, Sting. You're my best friend. Puts on the jacket. He's always been a bit of a prick, hasn't he? <laughs> I really want to betray him. <laughs> yeah. God, what a kickable <laughs> face. Uh, poor, poor Six. He's lost his title. He had to wrestle twice. And he gets laid out in the main event. The NWO. The NWO who got a chicken shit DQ win and then got the shit kicked out of them are doing the show closing promo and are now fully recovered. <laughs> Declaring that LA is NWO country. I mean, look, they're three best friends that got to fucking do whatever they want. It's, oh, can you blame this? It's, it's like a, it's, it's like a little mini curtain call. <laughs> what people don't know is Alex Wright was actually the fourth man in the clique in WCW. <laughs> <laughs> and he just didn't marry the boss's daughter. Yeah. And that's why he had Berlin. <laughs> yeah. Curtain calls and funky beats. <laughs> uh. Well, that is pretty much us brought to a close here, Lee. Um, as we see the NWO exit the ring. What did you think of this house? I show really overall? enjoyed it. To be fair, um, yeah. Like I was expecting just a standard house show without looking too deeply into it. And then when I looked up the card, I was like, oh, damn, this is a fucking, this is a good card. And I mean, yeah, yeah, there was a couple of matches that were house showy, as we should say. But there was a couple of guys that brought it, you know, Psychosis Ultimo, Guerrero, or Ultimo Dragon, the Lucha Six Man, um, Eddie and Dean can't have a bad match. 
Yeah. I think it was like classic WCW in that way, where like early doors, you had a lot of like really high effort mm-hmm. undercard action. And then slowed right the fuck down. Even though like we enjoyed the bits of Savage and DDP that weren't cut out. Yeah. Um I suppose do we do oh, do you want to do winners and losers on this one? Um Yeah, I, 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 I mean yeah. do you want to if I mean, I guess, I suppose, let's 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 leave it on a, a, a real simple note. The only winners were the Los Angeles fans uh, and the true hero, the man who stood stock still for two hours with a gigantic camcorder <laughs> <laughs> so that we, like, do you imagine, like, being that guy and envisioning that in 2021, two Irish jackasses would do a live commentary track on your, your shaky cam. Uh, house show coverage. Uh, what a world. Yeah, that that's the world world of wrestling fandom, I suppose, isn't it? He thought so much of going to that show that yeah. he had to record it. And now us two fucking idiots yeah. get to talk about it. Yeah, but it was an interesting insight, I think, to what WCW were doing when the TV cameras weren't on during their mm-hmm. hottest year. Um, Now, not their most profitable year, because 1998 was still like just blew things out of the water financially but i think it gives us when we return now to, to thunder road next week i think it'll give us a bit more insight when we go back to all the bullshit finishes that well at least you know if on the weekends you were paying to go see them do their house shows you might have gotten a better quality like it looks like just from this one obviously this is just a very limited sample size but if i was like say Jeff in 1998 and I had the choice of going to a double thunder taping a or going show. to like yeah. a house show might go to a house show now probably again probably every house show you know you mentioned it was going up against WWF at Anaheim so they definitely put a little extra effort on this one um, but I think I'd still probably fancy my chances mm-hmm. with the house for show for sure um, I'd never actually look up that Anaheim cards to you know compare and contrast but I mean, listen, I think if you went for the Saturday Night Nitro, you would have left that show happy. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm leaving a shit quality uh, camera recording of it quite happy, um, which is something I can't always say when we watch Thunder and Crisp HD <laughs> on the network. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Well, look, we'll leave it at that, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us on um, this debut of our TRL shows uh, let us know what you thought of this new format you know if you want us to run tail between our legs back to the standard format um, again this will only be for TRL episodes if we do it in future like this isn't going to be the new format of um, the Thunder shows or the pay-per-view or anything like that so it's going to be like maybe once every two or three months we're going to do something like this um, if you like the different vibe let us know if you prefer the old vibe also let us know uh, until then we will finally return um to thunder road next week we can't we can't hold it, it off any longer, buddy. <laughs> but it has uh it's like we've had a good like what three mm-hmm. shows in a row now that are off timeline so yeah we just got to get back to the regular it's time to get back butter. to the road to russo god almighty right we'll see you guys in two weeks good luck
Thanks everyone for downloading another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder is produced by Lee Malone and edited by myself, Dave Ryan, and available every second Thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold. You can follow Days of Thunder on Twitter or Instagram, where we love to hear from our listeners, about all things wrestling and beer. We're at WCW Thunderpod on both platforms. I'm at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. This has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past like the Worldcast through the years in the International House of Combat to wrestling of the present with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys, Yours, Mine and the Truth and Busting Balls. Subscribe now, you won't be disappointed. Thanks. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside